All right, Carl, are you all set to go over there? Perfect. Well, welcome to uh, another episode of Dojo Universe. Glad to be here. I think we're getting pretty close to our 70th episode, so that's kind of exciting. Um, I say that every week, of course, and I think we do get ever so slightly closer. So um, how's everybody doing out there in the world? Anything good happening? Who's going to Loon Mountain this weekend? It's one of my favorite, favorite games. Nobody? That's good. <laughs> All right. You're in? I am. Cool. Charleston games. Oh, excellent. Some people are taking lunch breaks from studying. That's all right. And Andrew's going to Loon. Excellent. That should be pretty good. It's one of the best games ever. Unfortunately for us, it's really far away. And um, it's hard um, for us because we have so many college students and far away people in the band. Um, it's hard to get a, uh, a band together, you know, for it to be a viable thing for our band. But um, where is it? It's in northern New Hampshire. Um, north of White River Junction, which is, uh, yeah, Lincoln, 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 New Hampshire. They have a great, um, one of my favorite um, sort of, what do they call those? Brew pubs ever is in Lincoln, New Hampshire, the Woodstock, Woodstock Inn. And um, yeah, it's pretty, it's all pretty cool. I've actually been up there in the wintertime, um, which is pretty cool too. And then there's, what is there up there? Um, Flapjacks is a good place too. Uh, really good breakfast and a great atmosphere, and it's got one of those trains that goes around the top of the restaurant. And anyway, I digress. Carl, I don't suppose you could eat much at Flapjacks, but probably not. But that's okay. Yeah, I might have to go check out the train there. Yeah, the train's pretty cool. Um, Good stuff. So today we're going to be talking about uh, operating successful uh, pipe bands. And of course, um, you know, at the at the dojo, we have quite a few instructors, all of whom are involved with um, uh, successful pipe bands. And uh, even if they're not currently in a band, of, they, of course, have lots of insight. And Carl and I are, of course, from the Orrin Moore pipe band. And so um, we're going to be happy to share with you some of our uh, philosophies and so on. Um, it doesn't look like we have any questions to get started, so let me just throw this question out there to everybody. Uh, Open-ended, uh, what, what is the bottom line? Like, uh, if you guys out there had to say, what's the bottom line that's required in order to have a successful pipe band, what, do you, what would you say that is? Is it, uh, you know, communication, uh, genius leadership, um, being in the right place at the right time? What is it? Andrew says, pipe major and drum sergeant must work well together and be on the same page. And there has to be a mutual respect. Interesting. Good. Les says, commitment to a common goal. That's a good one. Um, let's see what else we have. Chris is typing. Go ahead, everybody. Type it in. If you have any thoughts at all, we'll get the juices flowing here today. Enough people to get a gig or field a competition band. Yeah, certainly um, in the early stages of a pipe band formation, that's a big thing, right? Mutual respect is a big thing. 
Yeah, we've seen that more than once. Mutual respect. Enjoyment. That's controversial, Russell, but I like it. He's, he's audaciously suggesting pipe bands should be fun. <laughs> I'm being sarcastic, of course. Yes. How many people have ever been in a not fun pipe band? I bet you there's quite a few of us. All right. Yeah, Gary's like, I have. Great. Well, uh, what do you think, Carl? What are your thoughts here? You've been in quite a few bands. I have been in a few. Um, and I've been lucky enough to be in, in all bands that I, I really enjoyed. Um, and all for different reasons. Um, I mean, I started out, my first real band was when I lived in Florida. And it was it was a uh, grade four competition band. We did a lot of parades. But it was a really fun atmosphere. Um, we, we got to play every Friday night at a pub. It was a standing gig. We would uh, we kind of busk out in, um, on the street in front of this, this complex. And uh, it was right on the beach. It was kind of fun. Um, and, uh, I mean, it was, it was a blast for her being able to perform and, and, uh, the, the competition band was, was fairly successful at that time. And, uh, so that was, that was a real blast. And then I came back to, to Chicago, spent a couple of years playing with the Chicago Midlothian. Um, and it was just a different atmosphere, uh, a lot more, more emphasis on, um, really great music and, and playing to a high degree. And uh, it was challenging and equally fun and, and very rewarding. Um, I don't know. Uh, and then I got to, to lead the Iona College Pipe Band for, for about three years. And that was, again, a different kind of approach to the band, but uh, uh, very challenging and fun on a personal level. Cool. Yeah, I mean... Uh... I think that sounds good. I think that's one that's one area where I would come right out and say, I think the trend in my experience observing things and uh, in the bands I've been with, um, I've been very fortunate that every every band, almost every band I've been a part of, um, you know, one thing they've had in common is that they were all focused on music first and foremost, and then the other stuff was secondary. And what I mean by other stuff is. Um, some people are mentioning politics, and then sometimes there's the sort of, you know, hanging out, uh, drinking and partying and having fun. Not to say that shouldn't be um, an element of certain pipe bands, but just to say that um, it was a secondary concern to the members of the band. Um, I think that's a really that's a really key thing, and it sounds like, you know, <clears throat> it sounds like Carl, maybe you're saying that about about that band as well. Yeah, I mean, um, they were all all striving for, for, for music more than anything else. I mean, and, and, you know, the, the, the degree of, of musicality was different from all the bands, but um, I, I think that was always a common goal is, you know, we, we got to sound good and play really, pre, really good music. And it doesn't have to be perfect, but um, I, I definitely agree. I think that's a key part of, of making it fun for everyone. It's not fun to just work on, non-musical exercises for five hours and call it a pipe band, you know. <laughs> yeah, now Russell says you should try and keep the politics at a minimum. 
And then Andrew replied saying um, that will never happen. What do you, what are your thoughts on that, Carl? Uh, I think you can do lots of things to, to keep politics to a minimum and keep it out of your band. Um, I mean, there will always be, even in parade bands, there's politics among, you know, at, 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 at different parades, parade, what parade committees think of your, your band. There's always going to be some politics, but if you make the pipe band about that, it's going to become very unfun very quickly. Um, I think it's much better to just enjoy the pipe band for the music. The politics, it's kind of like, okay, it's there and I'm going to ignore it because it's not going to do me any good. At least that's how, uh, how we approached it in Iona. And uh, we ended up winning some of the parades that they didn't like us just because we were able to um, kind of transcend that and we didn't play ball with them. Yeah. Uh, uh, Chris is saying there will always be politics and love affairs. And we'll get to the love affairs later, of course. Um, I, would oh say my personal, <laughs> I would say my personal strategy in regards to politics in pipe bands is that um, I think external to the band, you can't avoid being thrown into um, certain political arenas, like you're saying, Carl. Like there's there's the parade committees. Um, you know, certainly, um, you know, if, if we look at Oren Moore, there are certainly um, other bands and uh, organizations that, you know, have certain political relationships with the band. I think that's something you can't avoid. Uh, but one thing, one thing I work really, really conscientiously with is to keep um, politics out, you know, to an absolute minimum in the internal workings of the band, you know, so right. um, we, we try to keep, uh, you know, we try to keep self-promotion and, you know, um, and all of those other issues, you know, egos especially, you know, it's like, it's a very strong philosophy in and more that egos need to be, uh, you know, checked at the door and that the, the common goal that it's coming up again, the common goal of the organization you know, is is the one thing that we're all focused on when we're in the group environment. I learned that I learned that in a very real way when I went to play with SFU. Um, you know, in, in that uh, obviously there are lots of lots of really amazing pipers, all with different ideas and uh, you know, all different uh, personal goals. Right? Some of them were professional pipers, some of them were not. Um, but the the amazing thing about SFU and uh, was that whenever people got in the room. You know, Terry, Lee, and Jack, they, they ran the show, and, um, but they ran it with respect to that common goal, and then all of the, all of the followers, like myself, we showed up, and we uh, followed direction, you know, because we all agreed that the common goal was the most important thing. Um, and so, uh, and so, yeah. Let's see. Stuart says, what about a board of a board with eight directors versus a pipe major drum sergeant running a band. Um, yeah, Stuart, I can tell you how we handle that, which is that uh, we have a board of directors that agrees on, on the general uh, direction of the, of the organization. Okay, and those directors are voted in each year by the playing membership. Um, and then uh, from that point, one of the things that's sacred is that the musical direction of the band is, um, you know, is run by the pipe major and the drum sergeant. So, so the board, the board would absolutely have no say over the musical direction of the band. Um, and then, of course, that's of course, um, you know, the changes that can be made are 
once a year when we vote in our board of directors and musical leadership. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so the board of directors must not have anything to do uh, with the musical direction of the band because then you run into, uh, you run into a lot of problems. Uh, now, now, does the musical direction include what contests we go to? Uh, generally speaking, um, the you know board of directors and especially the treasury would uh, you know sort of uh, you know come to an agreement with the musical leadership about you know where we're going and what would be acceptable. Um, I don't know. I don't want to get too much into the Oren Moore uh, you know Oren Moore workings because each band is different. Um, but yeah. Andrew says, uh, the worst thing is a pipe major dictatorship with no respect for drum sergeant. Um, that would, of course, be, um, you know, provided it's not a friendly dictatorship, that would, of course, be a bad thing. Although at the same time, I mean, um, I think it is important to have one overarching musical leader, um, you know, that can, that can make the final decision. Um, and I think that's, again... Uh, it's all very interesting, and, and uh, I, I think it's going back. We, there needs to be a strong working relationship between the pipe major and the drum sergeant. But at the same time, uh, if there's not someone who would have um, the say at the end of the day, um, then you can, you can come across a lot of problems. You know, it's like the same sort of idea as, um, as the checks and balances idea in governments. Right? And so... Uh, that's right. Uh, Russell, I'm in, I'm in general disagreement with you. Or, I mean, <laughs> I'm in general agreement with you. Um, the benevolent dictatorship is, uh, again, dictatorship sort of has a bad, a bad sound, you know. Uh, and, of course, it would never be a dictatorship in our band because um, at any point uh, the, the playing membership can uh, get a quorum together and vote people out uh, or in, as it were. Um, and... And so uh, it would never be a dictatorship, but then, yes, the pipe major, as far as musical direction is concerned, in our band, would have, technically, would have the final say. Of course, it's in my best interest to make sure that uh, Mike Eagle and I are on the same page and uh, in agreement before moving forward, because obviously if we weren't, that would be bad. Now, some bands do have a musical director and a pipe major as two separate positions. Yes, that's correct. You know, everything's fine as long as, um, for me, the golden rule is as long as uh, all parties agree on what the goal of the organization is, um, politics can actually be kept at a minimum internally. And then externally, you can't help uh, what sort of things go on outside of the band. Uh, but but that's, uh, I think that's an excellent point. Let's see. Board is mostly because of nonprofit requirements. This Nate is saying the board is mostly because of nonprofit requirements, but the PM is the program director. Yep, that's kind of how um, uh, you know that's kind of how we operate as well, for sure. Of course, the board um, provides great advice for the direction of the organization. So um, you know, and the better they can function as a group, um, the better the band will do. Any other thoughts? I, I, in regards to in regards to that, I think I think you're sort of hitting it on the head. I, I think that, um, you know, I think the things that make pipe bands not succeed have to do with the inability to manage conflicts when they come up. So there needs to be a plan. Um, there needs to be a plan to resolve 
various conflicts of different kinds. There's always going to be musical conflicts. Um, you know, and our plan to resolve that is that um, at the end of the day, uh, I would have the final say as the pipe major of the of the group. And just like any musical, you know, conflicts that exist in the drum corps, you know, uh, well, input is always, you know, um, wanted. That uh, you know, we defer the final decision to the leader of the group. And uh, you know, obviously, if there's anything radically bad going on in the leadership, the plan would be uh, to vote those people out. But Let's see, how many bands utilize a business manager? That's a good question. How many people out there have a business manager in their band? Nate is an ex-pipe major having a hard time with reduced role in the current band. Yep. Can definitely be challenging, Nate. I've been in that uh, position before, where I've had lots of ideas, but um, you know, haven't haven't been able to bring them forward. Namely, thinking when I was much younger. Yeah, the business manager is kind of tricky. Um, you know, like so, what what powers does a business manager have have in a band? The band manager is a piper in the band. Yeah, I mean, most roles uh, are playing members, aren't they? More and more has some board members that aren't playing members, but for the most part, it's made up of playing members. Yeah, exactly. And then what powers does the business manager have relative to the musical director of the band? Yeah, so it's tricky. I'm not saying it can't be done, but I, I would have to think through that. If you have multiple bands in your organization, a business manager is very helpful. That's what Brian says. Um, and that's, I would think that's probably correct. If the band is active, a manager is required. Yes. It's all very interesting. Yep. Good stuff. So, I mean, I think we're touching on the organizational structure of the band has to be solid. And I think, you know, that sort of mission statement or that overarching goal, every member in the band has to agree on that goal, don't they? Because if they don't, you're going to have problems. So I think that's, uh, so maybe that's the bottom line that we've reached here. And then, of course, business managers and musical directorship, that can all be outlined in the rules of the band. You know, I think uh, democracy becomes, um, becomes dangerous in any situation, meaning like, you know, majority votes deciding things. And I've seen a lot of bands that were, that were you know, where committees tried to decide everything and then it just kind of gets nasty over time and this, that, and the other thing, you know. So I think the best thing is to have a structure where, you know, you have one or two directors of very specific things. Um, and that there needs to be someone, there needs to be someone who's obviously voted on occasionally, um, who's, who's at the helm and, and makes all of the final decisions. Um, you know, and, and hopefully that person is responsible enough to make sure that people are um, you know, good with those decisions. Yep. 
respect and common goals. Gary, I'm with you. I think that's um, I think that's the key. Let's move on to uh, the next topic. I don't want to get too bogged down in political stuff because that's no fun. Um, the next topic is uh, how about the uh, musical choices that the band makes? So musically, how are we going to develop our repertoire and music making? And, uh, you know, how do we get the band to sound good? All right. So we're moving on from operation into, you know, what sort of things does a band need to be conscientious of in order to be successful musically? Um, who's got some thoughts in there that they could chat in? I'd rather, you know, I'd rather get as much feedback from you guys as we can. I think that makes things a little bit more interesting. Tom says, this is a big problem right now. Uh, must be referring to his band. Nate says, the band's skill level. Now let's, let's pretend that, uh, and I think, generally speaking, almost every band in the world is at a skill level that's lower than they wish it was. Um, you know, even the best band in the world, I'm sure they're looking at ways to improve the skill level in the band. So, let, Nate, rather than saying everyone has to have skills, let's talk about how we're going to develop those, um, you know, to produce better and better music. Andrew said, Andrew's um, saying this also has to do with the pipe major and drum sergeant's relationship and everybody being on the same page. I think you are absolutely correct there, Andrew. It's not that, um, you know, the pipe major and drum sergeant can have very different styles, but you're, I'm, I'm totally, what you're saying is totally resonating with me as far as uh, being on the same page with them. Um, and, and again, we had this sort of, like in more and more, um, getting to know Michael Eagle over the past year, like we are really, really on the same page on so many things, even though he's teaching drumming in a totally different style um, than I'm teaching piping. But we get together, we play together, um, and we, we talk about things, and, um, you know, we find that we're, we're just in agreement on so many levels, and which makes me happy to make adjustments. You know, like one of the big things we're doing this year is uh, we're going to get uh, way more specific about the tempo that we're playing, which is something I've never been concerned about personally. Um, but as we talk things through, you know, uh, one thing that would really, really help the development of the drum corps is to have very specific tempos to shoot for. And frankly, I, the more I think about it, the more that's going to help the pipe section as well. Um, and so that's one of those things where I was kind of gritting my teeth because I don't like to do specifics that much. It's one of my things. I, I try not to box myself in to exact tempo numbers, but, but I'm going to give it a try this year because, um, you know, in talking it through, I think, you know, and Andy, maybe you can uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think that's an example of what you're saying. Like, we're on the same page and, and we're willing to make the compromises that need to be made uh, for the other, um, you know, uh, for the other section to be successful. And while Andy answers that, maybe I will um address some of these so ella says we struggle with a piper who can't keep tempo uh tom says pipe major wants to play music above the playing level of the group les says i present tunes we work on them and then pick the ones that work that sounds uh like a good plan stewart says very difficult to raise the level of a band with half the players happy being street players versus a number who want to compete you can't force people to improve no matter how much is spent on instruction of the band if they don't want to do their bit. Chris says, on the other hand, if you don't attempt to play higher caliber music, even for fun, uh, 
the band development will be stagnant. Uh, and Les says, amen, Stuart. Okay, let's dive into that one. And, and I think it's, all of these are kind of related. Stuart, I think here's, here's what I would say to that. You're absolutely right, and it's one of the, I think it's one of the biggest killer of pipe bands is when, especially, you know, um, in the sort of, uh, what, what might you call it, like entry-level competitive-ish bands, is when you make that decision to compete, there's always that portion of the band that's like, wait a second, I don't want to do that, and I'm not really focused on musical improvement. I just want to hang out kind of in my kilt and play. You know, uh, non, we would call them non-improvement-oriented bagpipers, and then there's this sort of battle that goes on. By the way, in, back about 10 years ago, maybe a little less, when Oren Moore first went to the world, we had this problem. Uh, there was a contingent of the band that had no interest in going to the Worlds and making that expense. Uh, and then we had the other part of the band that had an interest. And, and you know, there was a kind of a split. And the first year, Oren, I, I was not actually in the band at the time. Uh, I, you know, I was close to the band still. But um, So this can happen in any band, but it happens a lot at those lower entry levels. And I think my advice to you would be um, for the band to define exactly what the purpose of the band is, right? So if the purpose of the band is to compete and to do well uh, and to continually raise the musical level of the group, that needs to be clearly defined in the organization. If there's any gray area, you're always going to struggle with people like, wait a second, I didn't realize that was the case. Exactly. So there was no common purpose or mission statement there, and that's, you know, that is where the, uh, the problem uh, sort of lot, lot laid, lied, lay. That was where the problem lay. Uh, and then uh, when Oren Moore had the problem, when we first decided to go to the Worlds, and that was also the same problem was there in that we sort of changed gears as to what the, the previous mission of the band was, which was kind of a little bit too, too vague. Like, oh, we're going to compete at a high level and share music with the community and uh, well, and then people are like, well, we can compete at a high level without going to the Worlds. And since then, you know, and I don't think it's in writing so much, but it's definitely um, in the culture of the band that Oren Moore, you know, we're, we're, we work to compete on the world stage. That's sort of the purpose um, of the band. And this past year, we, we weren't able to go to Scotland. We decided not to. Um, but the purpose in the band did not change, right? We just shifted our goal to be 2014 to go to the Worlds, and, and that's very much still the purpose of the band. So no one is going to be surprised that we're going to the Worlds in 2014 in the band, because that's built into our culture. Now, at, at the lower levels, right, no one should be surprised in your band that you're going to compete and you're going to expect people to work hard towards competing, right? If there's a gray area there, you're always, always, always going to have that problem. Nate says, great name for that concept. We started looking at the competition this year. Some of them are already looking at reducing their participation. Yes. And that's, you know, um, I would recommend micromanaging that. So speak to each person individually and talk it through with them. And just know that some people are not going to be interested in that. And I, I, don't, I don't think that's a bad thing. And maybe they'll become interested over time. For those people who are not competition-oriented, it's still a good idea for band sanity to keep them in the loop in playing the competition tunes. Well, you have to ask yourself, is there room in our band for people who aren't interested in competition? And if there is room, what's the plan there? Right? 
For example, you're going to need to have some band practices where you're focusing entirely on competition material. And if there are people in your band who aren't interested in that material, then they shouldn't be in, at that practice. But then when do you have practice to practice the street tunes? So it becomes kind of, uh, kind of interesting. Yeah, Gary says it shouldn't have to be mutually exclusive. And, and I agree, but then what's the plan to accommodate those with different interests? And the plan will be expensive, right? It'll either require, you know, um, it'll either require extra practices. I'm not necessarily talking monetarily expensive, but like, you know, resource expensive. People will have to uh, drive to another practice. And then the other question is, will the people in the competition band bother to show up for the street band practices? Chris says, you might have to split the practice. That's what we did in Mohawk Valley when I first started. That was the drill. So we would do street band stuff for the first half hour or 45 minutes, and then we would split off into our different competition groups. And that's how they dealt with that. And they, I'm not quite sure if they still do it that way or not. I, I'm not as in touch with, with how they operate anymore. But, uh, but yeah, splitting the practice, good, good plan. Do you play competition sets at street gigs? Good question. Uh, and then what do the other people do when the competition group is playing? Uh, let's see here. Um, let's see. Carl just sent me a message. I don't know what that was about. Um, let's see. Never mind, Andrew. That was something else. Was something else? Okay. Uh, Jill says, we have a number of members who have previously in a competition band and have burned out. Good. How do we keep players from getting burned out? Nate says, cannibalizing the street band at the expense of the competition uh, was a worry of ours. Mm -hmm. Joel says, as we grew much faster than anticipated, we determined to be strictly a street band, but a good street band. Great. The problem with being a street band, but a good street band for me, and it's not to say that it doesn't have a solution, but the problem that you have to solve there is, how do you motivate people to improve when the goal is simply to march down the street or, or to play performances? Like competition is easy, especially for people like me, because I'm competitive. I like to win stuff if I can. I certainly like to work to win stuff. So for, for me, it's like, that's my motivation. That's why I practice. That's why I teach all the guys in the band as hard as I can. It's because I want to see the band uh, do really well competitively. And with the street band, it can be a little harder. At least for me, it would be. It's like, oh, I don't really need to practice. It's just Scott and the Brave and Amazing Grace and stuff. Um, Andy's taken off. Thanks for joining us, Andy. Good thoughts. Uh, let's see. Joel says, we, we direct out performances to more bar gigs, generate payment. Okay. Very motivating. Morgan says, people just don't seem to get better unless they have a challenge, either personal or band competition, it seems to me. We found that also. Competition tends to motivate people way more than performances, which is interesting. 
I wonder why that is. Uh, a street band that competes only in their local games. A lot of bands do that due to travel issues. Okay, that's very interesting. Us is working to make the sound improve. Yeah. Let's go back. Uh, let's let's reset a little bit. Let's say, um, okay, let's pretend that we all have common goals and we're working to develop the music. What is the strategy? Right? What is the strategy to move the whole band forward? A lot of people were mentioning, for lack of a better word, the stragglers, right? And every band has a weakest link. Um, how do we cope with the weakest link problem while still you know, paying attention to those who are talented? Aha, Chris says, set up a buddy program. That is genius. We, we do that in Oren Moore, absolutely. We have a buddy, we have a coaching, we call it a coaching program, where we have experienced players in the band coaching the less experienced ones. So that gets the experienced ones, you know, it gets them a chance to, you know, play through the music, think about the fundamentals, help other people play, which is cool. Um, and, uh, Bruce asks the question, are you only as good as your worst piper? That's certainly a common saying. Um, you know, I think, uh, I think that's, you know, I certainly know what that saying is getting at, which is, you know, your weakest link, you know, that's, that's the part you want to go after as, as the biggest thing to improve. Is the weakest link the weakest because of their attitude or because of their playing ability? Think about that for a sec. Think about your band and respectfully think about your weakest link. Now, are they the weakest because of their ability or because of their attitude? Joel says both, but what's the root? What's the root of the cause there? Yeah, this can be a little touchy issue, but I, I think you're right in, in what you're kind of pointing out there is that it's, it's the attitudes more than anything else that you struggle with. And, and I know I struggle a lot with that in, in Iona is um, a lot of people wanted to be um, that they, they weren't interested in improving. And, and that's, that's an attitude more than anything else. And uh, if you're fighting the attitudes, that can be very hard to move things forward. I'd like to challenge, I, I would like to share my experience with you and I would challenge you to really, you know, set the emotion aside because oftentimes we're buddies with everybody in our band. All right. And the worst player might be a buddy, but I would challenge my experience is that let's, I, I won't say nine out of 10, but I'll say four out of five times the weakest link in a pipe section or in a band, the weakest link, the root of the problem is the attitude four out of five times, not the playing ability. That's been my experience. Um, the weakest player in Oren Moore is almost always the one with the worst attitude. Almost always. And I would challenge you to apply that uh, to, your own, to your own life and just like think about it really rationally and objectively. It's not to say that a bad attitude makes them a bad person either. They might just have a different idea of what's going on. And it might actually be 
the leadership's fault for not communicating what the real goal is explicitly enough. Chris says, I've seen players who have a great attitude but just don't have the time to practice. You're right. I think that makes up for that one out of five, Chris. A lot of people simply just say they don't have the time to practice. You know, like, I love the people who say, uh, and this is common in my experience, I don't have time to practice. Yet, they're on Facebook uh, three hours a day, <laughs> chatting and commenting with people. It's like, can you sacrifice one of your Facebook hours per day on the material? You know, um, you know, and then therefore, what are we looking at? We're looking at an attitude problem. I, I just don't have enough time to practice. Well, if that's true, that's fine. Uh, but that's often sort of a half-truth in my experience. It's, it's you're not willing to make the time to practice. It's the actual truth. Ian says, I, am, uh -oh, I hope I didn't strike a nerve here. I am taking 21 hours of class, raising a daughter, and working 20 hours a week. Oh, and you still find some time to practice. Amen. Amen, Ian. That's awesome. Yes. Exactly. I think we all get a little bit lazy from time to time. Um, but we just can't be lazy all the time. You know, at some point you got to bite the bullet and develop your own personal plan. Leadership by example is key. Right? If people in the band say, like, and that's a lot of times true about leadership, isn't it? Sometimes the lead, let me just throw this out as a rhetorical question. Is the leader in your band actually the weakest link? Think about that. Just for a second, like, is the leader putting in all the effort that's required as the leader? Are they people are responding you know, here? We're gonna be careful. <laughs> yeah, we got it. I'm just. This is rhetorical. I'm yeah. not leading anything here. I'm just asking. You don't want to say anything in case your pipe majors on on on, on board here. <laughs> <clears throat> Nate says, I don't think I can motivate anyone, but we hope. We hope to be a good role model and create a space where they want to participate by practicing harder. Bruce says, could be. Interesting. Harold says, you know, he missed the beginning, but what if the pipe major's attitude is the problem? Tom says he's glad he's anonymous today. Interesting. I like to think, Carl, you can confirm this with me. I like to think that the players in Oren Moore respect me as one of, one of the players who's musically most interested in improving his own ability and puts in at least among, I'm among the most hardworking members of the band logistically and organizationally. And I like to think that inspires people to improve themselves. What, do you think that's true or untrue? I think that's very true. I mean, I, I don't think there's anyone in Ormore that would would look at the work that you do and, and come to any other conclusion than, 
holy cow, he is always working really, really, really hard for the band in one way or another. And uh, I should spend at least you know, 1% of that time on my own, one or 10 or whatever, you know? Um, it, 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 it's, it's good. And I think that's, that's part of our success in moving forward every year. Um, yeah. is because that really is something that is motivated. So I almost want to challenge Nate's thought there that he can't motivate anybody. Um, n- no, you can't, you can't physically switch anything on, but, um, yeah, like it would be unethical. there are ways to help get people motivated. It would be unethical to try and force someone to do something they don't want to do. I think that's what Nate's getting at. However, um, you, I, I, I believe I believe I can motivate um, people who follow me through my actions. I really do. Um, you know, one of the things, too, is that um, every single practice, I have a very specific and precise and experienced plan for moving things forward. And I, I like to think, I mean, I have weaknesses. I have weaknesses as a leader, for sure, absolutely, which I'm constantly trying to address. Um, you know, adversaries of mine would, uh, you know, accuse me of being a very weak leader. But my rebuttal would be um, any, any weakness that I have as a leader that I'm aware of and that I agree is a weakness, I'm constantly working to improve that. And the same goes with the musical direction. I'm constantly working to develop a better and a better and a better plan. And uh, members of our pipe band, and then, you know, people that uh, go to Dojo U and take lessons with us, by the way, it's a very similar environment, right? We have a very objective list of fundamentals that we're working to master every time uh, we work on the music. And I think people really appreciate I like to think that. And if that's not true, then, um, you know, uh, I guess I'm just in la-la land. But my, all my experience points to the fact that that's true. Yes. Russell is happy to say that his pipe major is a very strong link and sets a good example. He's on here today, isn't he, Russell? Or, or you know he listens to this podcast. That's what that was about. Way to cover. <laughs> Not sure what Nate's referring to in regards to a volunteer organization. Andrew, any good manager has got to be aware of their weaknesses and work on them. Agreed. Do you, do you think that the focus plan each week or yearly contributed to motivation? Absolutely. In, a, in positive and negative ways. So in one way, it's, uh, man, this is so inspiring and the band's starting to sound awesome, so man, I'm pumped to practice and to contribute. And then the negative motivation is, oh crap, if I don't learn my material by this weekend's practice, Man, and Andrew's gonna just drill me on it. You know, he's just gonna he's gonna be able to call me right out, which I completely have the ability to do, right? Uh, you know, which I think is a strength. <laughs> uh, and of course, the people with the bad uh, attitudes and the egos that are too big that they're unable to check at the door, they'll have a big problem when I'm able to single them out and say, you know, that fundamental is not quite good enough. However, those who are truly focused on the common goal are gonna take that criticism and say, okay there is an area where I can help the team improve if I work on that area. Good. Uh, Patrick, thanks for reminding me. Let's shift gears um, again because another big topic is recruiting. Um, because I think recruiting um, or scouting you know, is a really important aspect of any pipe band at any level. 
Um, and it's a very contentious issue because um, there tends to be a lot of uh, recruiting and scouting that involves players from other bands. Um, and so we have to, I guess, uh, some would definitely say we have to consider ethical challenges that are involved in that. So does anyone have any thoughts or struggles or anything in regards to recruiting for pipe bands? Multiple attendees are typing. What do you think, Carl? Thoughts for recruitment. That's, that can be really tough. I'm, I mean, I can speak to it and, and how we work to, to, uh, to recruit for the Iona College Pipe Band. And, and that's a little bit different than most other bands because it is limited to four years. Um, and so it's much more like recruiting for college, but uh, the processes were the same is you, you've got to find places where there are pipers of the right um, of the right ilk, if you will. In our case, it was of the right age, right? They're going to be coming to college soon. Um, but for you, it might be of the right grade level. Um, so you've you got to find where those people are and reach out to them. Um, and honestly, it, it's just down to, hey, you know, this is what we're about. You know, you'd be a good asset to the band. Um, finding out about them and really seeing if they would be a good fit for the band and then uh, you know, convincing them that it's, it's what they want to do. Um, obviously in a positive way, you don't want to <laughs> pull the wool over their eyes in any way, but Hey, this is what we're about. And I, I think you'd really enjoy it. So, uh, you know, whether you can develop longstanding relationships with certain, in our case, high schools or, um, in the greater sense with other bands that are maybe of a lower level uh, or whether you're just going around to people who are on the solo circuits um, who are moving up in the grades. Uh, I think all of those are great ways to, to find new members. Yes. Um, I don't know if you're into <laughs> I think it was. No, that makes sense. Totally. Um, Chris, I agree with um, – with what you're saying. I want to move on uh, to Brian first, who says you must avoid poaching. So how do you define poaching? Because uh, it's kind of a tough one. Poaching is bad, right? When Oren Moore is, of course, uh, because we're a high-level you know, high band, we're accused of poaching all the time. Um, so what, you know, in, in, what case, in what cases is it acceptable to recruit a player from another band versus when it's not acceptable? Well, I think uh, it's acceptable in, in any case if it's what that player is interested in doing. I mean, if, if it's going to be to the benefit of the individual, the, the musicianship of the individual, I think it's it should be perceived as okay. Interesting. Or I like Nate, Nate's uh, answer there. Our door is always open, but we don't take players out to fancy dinners. <laughs> Interesting. Okay. So Nate says, Nate's sort of saying it depends on, you know, the ethics of the process, it sounds like. I mean, you can't just offer everyone lots of money to come play. That's Gary fair. says poaching is not an accident. Poaching is when you target a player for recruitment into your band. So, Gary, I, I so, uh, 
as as one band member, I can never ask a player of another band to join my band. Is that the rule? Russell says, don't walk around the games handing out applications. Brian says, poaching is being secretive about your intentions, using coercive tactics to sway a player's decision. Okay. Again, so it's, some people are saying it's okay, but you have to do it in a respectful way. Les says, you must be approached by a player. Do you poach your drum sergeant who is also the drumming instructor? Gary says that is not my point. Oh, I guess I must have misinterpreted him. Be honest with yourself. Interesting. It's, it's a highly interesting question. I'll tell you, here's my philosophy on poaching. Um, my philosophy on poaching is um, that, uh, or, or here are my rules as far as recruiting players from other bands. Um, what, I, and, and again, these are, I haven't really formulated these. I'm sort of talking off the cuff here, but my personal strategy is that, or my, first, my personal viewpoint is that every single player in the universe um, is welcome in my band, provided you know, that they have you know, fundamental skills that meet the standard um, that are required for the band, and that they have an attitude uh, towards learning. So I, I see a lot of players out in the world that uh, possess these criteria. Um, and so I make sure that, they, that you know, all of these people that I talk to know that they'd be welcome in our band. And that's, that's my approach. Um, and and I, I try to do it with the utmost respect to their current situation. For example, the vast majority of players in Oren Moore are still involved with their home organizations as playing instructors or as teachers. And, and we very much encourage that in Oren Moore. So, um, you know, Oren Moore for us is a way for uh, people to play at a high level while still supporting, um, you know, their own organizations. Uh, we have quite a few people. Carl was in that position for a while. Um, you know, obviously, um, the McGonagall's from New, New Jersey are still in that position. Chance Bell plays in our band, and he runs a very successful organization in Richmond, uh, Virginia. And so uh, that's sort of our policy. Um, I, I will invite anyone and everyone to the band, regardless of their current associations, um, just along the lines of they need to know that they're welcome in the band. Um, now, in regards to someone was talking about coercive tactics, I'm certainly not going to push the issue if the player is not interested. Um, there are, of course, uh, you know, some people that I'm really interested in, so I will ask them sort of repeatedly, especially this time of year. I'm speaking with a lot of people to see, you know, is there any way you'd be interested in the band? Right, and then Russell says poaching. Uh, is unnecessary, and that's totally right. My experience is that players will play in the band that they think is best for them, and that's the way that it's going to be. Um, I just make sure that everyone knows that the invitation is open. Someone was asking, do you handicap another band due to poaching? Um, and to me, um, you know, to me, the issue is... Um, you know, not, that issue is not up to me, right? That issue is up to the player that I've recruited as to whether or not the previous band becomes handicapped uh, as a result of them leaving. 
Okay, so that's up to the player. Uh, meanwhile, you know, more and more wants to support any bands that we can, so we're certainly going to encourage each and every player to stay involved and keep teaching piping. <laughs> Gary's saying he's concerned about targeting of a player and telling him or her how much better off they would be if they were members of your band. <laughs> There's a lot of that that goes on, and it's pretty funny, right? Um, it's pretty funny, and uh, usually if you have to talk about how much better off they'd be, and if it's not readily apparent, um, you know, it, it just ends up being a little bit of a comedy. Okay, I lost track of some of these comments, and we're going to wrap up here shortly. Uh, we have so few bands in our area, uh, every transfer is a scandal. Yes, you're right. It's only a scandal if you choose to see it that way. Yeah, it's only a scandal if you choose to see, see it that way and, and, if, and if things that were immoral happened. You know? I, I fully expect and I know, especially this past year when Oren Moore decided not to go to the world, um, you know, most of our players were approached by other bands uh, to jump ship and, and to join others. Uh, thankfully, none of them did. Um, certainly certainly uh, none of the core players did. Because Oren Morris, I think, I like to think, still the best option for them. Certainly, um, you know, I would expect that the top bands would be very interested in a lot of our players um, because they're playing really well, and I'm sure that those invitations happen from time to time. That's something that I have to deal with. Gary says, I bet you I'm a killer Monopoly player. Oh, dear. I haven't played Monopoly in a long time, and I think that's probably why. I think I'd get too mean. All right. Yeah, Brian, you can never use that. Hey, if you join our band, we'll pay your way to Scotland. No, you can't do that. Uh, we can help, you know, we, we try to help players in need, but that's not discriminant to trying to get new players in the door. Yeah, it is a good discussion. Um, someone asked, was asking, how do you operate a long-distance band? Uh, and in, in the one minute remaining, I would just say it's extremely challenging. Um, obviously, you know that I am very into the technology side of things. Um, so we use, um, we have band practices in, um, you know, our, our little Dojo U rooms on a regular basis. We do a lot of educational videos that get sent out. So you just have to be very organized with the calendar, letting people know here are the really important practices that you need to make it to. Uh, and that's, you know, Chris says virtual pipe band did it. I'm not quite sure what that is, but that sounds cool. Um, cool. All right, guys. Well, we're going to wrap it up there because it's one o'clock, but thank you very much for all the participation. And I think it was a good, uh, it was a good discussion. Oh, here, I, Russell, I knew it was coming. I could see where you were going. Russell says, hey, Andrew, do you want to join our band? And he just also sent me a private message um, that said they can, they can pay me. And, and <laughs> wait, wait. How, how come he gets an invite and I don't? This is not fair. <laughs> yeah, Carl, I'm getting mad now. See, Carl's getting mad because you didn't try to poach. See? So you in trouble. Uh, the other way, too. Uh, scandalous, indeed.
Uh, if anyone else wants to send me a private message offering more stuff. Yeah, the, the more more goods and money I <laughs> can offer. Russell says I'm better looking. I knew it. Yeah. Damn. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, yeah, so, uh, and of course, um, any questions, comments, or concerns, let us know. Um, by the way, we've got Dojo University Drumming is coming up on October 1st. So if any one of you would be so kind as to refer them to our website to check it out, um, we would be very grateful and excited to you know, help uh, uh, the drummers. So send them that link and just have them look around. That's going to start October 1st, and um, the, tutor, the tutor videos and fundamentals are getting uploaded to the site in the next week as we speak, and uh, we're going to get the regular weekly schedule going. We've got bulk discounts for bands that want to get involved. And by the way, it's now going to be a 360 thing, so your whole band can get involved now, which is going to be pretty cool. So we've got that coming up. We've also got um, some other cool classes that you'll be seeing uh, announced with Bruce Gandy. And we're also going to do a Bagpipe Music Writer class with Rob McNeil, the creator of Bagpipe Music Writer. Um, and uh, so we're going to be able to get right into the thick of it and learn some tricks and, and hear it from, uh, from the genius himself, Rob McNeil. So and we've got some big stuff coming up here in early October. So we hope that you'll sign up for Dojo U sometime soon. And uh, aside from that, I think, uh, I think we're good for today. And we'll see you next week on Dojo Universe. See, Wolf has raised his hand. Not sure if that was by accident, Wolf, or if uh, if you have a question. <laughs>